right, what's up, guys? Y'all doing all right? I hope you're doing well. Welcome to Connection Church. Man, if you're a first-time guest, just want to say a special welcome to you. My name's Blake. I get the privilege to be one of the pastors here. Excited uh, about uh, being in the Word today with you guys. If you got your Bibles, uh, John chapter 14, uh, you can turn there. We'll be in verse 15. Uh, they're going to be talking about the real Jesus. And so if you hadn't been here, we, we, at the beginning of the year, we started through the, the book of John. And John says, I've wrote these things that you might believe. And when we look in the Gospels, and, and specifically John, we see Jesus on display like never before. We took a little four-week break last four weeks and talked about a, a culture series of, of who we are as a church, generosity, we're generous people, uh, serving, we want to serve. We talked about community and evangelism, and now we're diving back in. Let me pray for us again real quick, and then we're going we're gonna to start right there in verse 15. God, uh, we love you, and we're thankful to be here this morning, and so thankful for your spirit, and, and as we get ready to talk about you and your spirit. God, we invite your spirit to work in our hearts. God, let's not just talk about you, but God, through, through your spirit, through the word in our lives, God, reveal things, show us things, move us, challenge us, help create us into the people that you want us to be. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen, at 30 years old, uh, Jesus starts his ministry, and for three years, uh, he did life-on-life -life discipleship with 12 guys. He called Peter out the fishing boat, called Matthew out the tax collector's booth, called Simon out of politics, and, and then he did life with them, and he's getting ready to leave. Have you ever had to say goodbye to somebody? You ever had to tell someone you love bye? Maybe they died. Maybe they moved. Do you remember how it made you feel? Remember a guy named Matthew Andrews made a big impact in my life. I got saved. He started discipling me and really poured into my life. And I remember being with him at lunch one day, and he said, I'm leaving, going to a different town. I remember how it made me feel. And here we are. They've done life with Jesus. Can you imagine doing life with Jesus for three years? Now Jesus knows it's time to go to the cross, and he knows he's about to leave. Can you imagine the thoughts they thought, the feelings they felt, the questions they had? And he's up in the upper room discourse, and he's talking to them. He had a meal with them. He introduced communion to them. He washed their feet. He predicted his betrayal. He did all these things, and he's getting ready to leave, and he starts to comfort them. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm leaving, but I ain't leaving going to send somebody else. And let's pick it up in verse 15. And, and here's what he says. If you love me, keep my commands. Because that's what real love does, man. It, it obeys. When my kids disobey their mama, I say, you don't love your mama. If you loved your mama, you'd obey your mama. He says, hey, real love, if you really love me, you would obey me. That's just a result of true love and transformation. He said, I'll ask the Father, he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. That's a great promise, forever. I'll be with you forever, forever, ever, forever, ever, forever. That's a good promise. Never gonna leave you. He says in 17, the spirit of truth, my spirit, the spirit of Christ, I'm the way, the truth, the life. I'm sending the spirit of truth to you. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. He lives with you, and he's in you, and that's a game changer. God living in you, God in us, that's a game changer. He's, he's in every single believer that believes in Christ. And then he commands in 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will, two I wills, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. I'm going to die, but you're going to see me. Why? Because I live. I'm going to resurrect because I live, and you will live. And then in verse 20, on that day, what day? What day are you talking about, Jesus? On that day, you will realize that I'm in the Father. You're in me, and I'm in you. He's talking about Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. He says, on that day, something's going to happen. I'm going to send my spirit, the spirit of truth. And in Bethlehem, that's God with us. Calvary, that's God for us. 
Pentecost, that's God in us. And he sends the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 to indwell and live fully and forever with every believer like never before. And that's what he's talking about. And he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, parentheses, not Judas Iscariot. First off, that's hilarious. Wouldn't you hate, don't you hate, that sucks. Wouldn't you hate it if your name's Judas? Especially back in that time. Judas, not, not that Judas, not that one. I'm a different Judas. Gotta got clarify here. Gotta clarify. I remember when we was having uh, our, first, our first kid. We had Easton. We, me and my, neither one of us would say, but, but I remember uh, she's like, I really like the name Pilot. Absolutely not. No. I was talking to her last night. She said, I still like that name. It's a good name, but, but no way. No way, Jose. All right. He, he, he asks a question. He says, but Lord, why? You ever ask the Lord why? Why? Why, he says. He says, he says, why do you intend to share yourselves to us and not the world? Why? That's, that's a good question. Why? You ever been ghosted by somebody in a text message? You ever text someone they didn't text you back? Or they just changed the subject? I feel like that's what Jesus does right here. I mean, he don't even answer the question he had. He asked him a question. He just, he just gives him a different answer completely. He didn't even answer his question. He says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me, he just says, he goes back to what he said before. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and will come to them and make our home in them. Jesus didn't give him the answer he was looking for, but he gave him a better one. He said, don't you worry about the wrong things. I'll tell you what I will do. I'm gonna come live in you. I'm gonna build my home in you. The word abode. I'm gonna dwell in you. The same language as in my father's house for many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you, an abode with you. You know what's better than a mansion in heaven? God living in you. And that's what he says, and that's what he promises him. Man, verse 24, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I've spoken while I'm still with you. But the advocate, the counselor, the helper, a divine counselor, a divine helper, the word paraclete in Greek, uh, side-by-side help, a helper to be with you, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you twice. Peace, peace, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. See, peace in the world is based on your circumstance. It's, pretty, it's easy to be peaceful until your kids ain't making you peaceful anymore. He says, but I give you something different. I'm gonna give you a peace no matter what because I'm with you, in you. There's nowhere you'll ever go that I won't be. I'm in there, I'm with you forever. 28, you heard me say I'm going away, but I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you'd be glad I'm going to the Father because the Father's greater than me. I've told you now before it happens, so when it does happen, you'll believe. I'll not say much more, for the prince of this world is coming and he has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what the Father's commanded me. Come, let us leave. And what a phony prince we have in this world. He's talking about Satan. He says, but I have all power over him. Why can you have peace in your life? Why can you not let your hearts be troubled? Because no matter what you go through in life, Jesus Christ has power over it. No matter what the situation is, no matter if it's the enemy, if it's sin, or whatever the situation is, that's how you can have peace. I want to talk to you about the greatest promise ever given. The greatest promise ever given. God himself. And not just God himself, but God himself living in you. The greatest promise ever given. A few things briefly I want you to take with you. One, I want you to notice the promise of the Holy Spirit in your life. The promise. Verse 15, he says, I will not leave you. I will come to you. I want you to notice who gave the promise. This is Jesus. On the count of three, say Jesus. One, two, three. This is Jesus. The word made flesh. The sacrifice, pure sacrifice. God in the flesh. The one who always does what is just, always does what is right. The one who cannot lie, will not lie, always do what he says he's going to do. Uh, Numbers says, uh, 23, 19, God's not human that he would lie. Not a human being that he would change his mind. 
Does he not speak and not act? Does he not promise and still fulfill? This is Jesus. Notice who. Not just who. I want you to notice when he gave the promise. When they were at their, their most vulnerable state. Can you imagine? Can you imagine doing life with Jesus? What these guys got to see? They saw uh, the 5,000 fed in John chapter 6. Water turned to wine in John chapter 2. Jesus told a paralytic to get up and walk in Mark 2. Told Lazarus to stop being dead in John 11. John laid his head on Jesus' chest. Heard his heart beat. Peter walked on the water to Jesus. Did life with Jesus. Laughed with Jesus. Loved Jesus. And now they've left their families, left their jobs to follow Jesus. And now he's leaving. Now he's leaving. Notice who. Notice when. Notice what he promised. He says, I will come to you. Promises them himself. I, I know I'm leaving, but I ain't leaving. Sending a helper, sending my spirit. The spirit of Christ is going to live in you. What did he want them to know? I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Facts. No matter what you go through in your life. Jesus will never leave you, never forsake you. He's right there with you. What did he want them to know? I'm, I'm going to make my home in you. Ephesians 3, 13 through 14. When you believed in him, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Facts. The Holy Spirit lives in every believer everywhere all the time. God in us. And he makes Christ's heart be in our heart. He takes things that we see in the Bible and believe with our eyes and experience it with our hearts. He applies it to our life. It is literally Christ in you. It's not some bootleg version of Jesus. It's Jesus in you. Changes everything. Dane Ortland says it like this. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' heart in us. The Holy Spirit makes the heart of Christ real to us. Not just heard or seen, but felt. The Holy Spirit takes what we read in the Bible, believe on paper about Jesus, and makes it real. From theory to reality, from doctrine to experience. He's a real person. It's one thing for a father to tell you he loves you. It's another thing for him to sweep you off your feet. You hear his heartbeat in his chest. Feel the warmth of his skin, the protection of his grip. It's one thing for you to hear he loves you. It's another to feel his love. And the Holy Spirit in us helps us not just to believe what it says, but experience it in our lives. How did he want them to feel? That's what he wanted them to know. How did he want them to feel? Well, he said exactly what he said. He says, peace. Peace I leave you. You should be at peace. Peace I leave you. I do not give as the world gives. What, what would, how should this shape the way you live your life? It would change everything for you. We'd be aware of his presence. David said, man, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I go to heaven, you're there. I, you're everywhere. And then even for us, he lives in us. We'd be aware of his presence in our lives. People say he's the forgotten God. You forget God's with you everywhere you go. We would rest in his authority. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Go make disciples. All authority's been given to me. I've got authority over the prince of the world. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Hey, what's bringing you trouble in your life? What's bringing, what's, what, what's, what anxieties do you have in your life? They are no match for Jesus Christ. No match. And when you understand that he is a resurrected Savior and he lives in you, and you set your eyes on him through the word, through the spirit, you can rest in his authority that he has. You would seek his everyday guidance and you would trust his leading. He's a real person. He can be quenched. He can be, uh, he can be quenched. He can be grieved. He can be stirred up. He's a real person in you, Jesus Christ. I want you to see the promise of the Holy Spirit in your life. But I want you to see too the importance of the Holy Spirit in your life. Verse 26. 
the advocate Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you. He's gonna teach you. And he's gonna remind you of everything I've said to you, a divine helper in our life. Again, paraclete, alongside of, a lawyer in the courtroom, someone with you, a divine helper, a counselor to help you and teach you. You have to have him in your life. You ever seen an unsaved person try to be saved? You ever seen an unregenerate person try to live the Christian life? Can't do it. It does not work out too well. You have to have a real experience, a real born-again, regenerate heart the Holy Spirit does in your life to live this life. You cannot do it on your own. He says in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. He says in verse 26, I'll teach you all things. Everything God tells us to do in his word, the Holy Spirit teaches us to do in our lives. That's what's crazy. Everything God tells you to do in scripture, watch this, you can't do it. You can't. You have to have him. See, I can preach truth, but only the Holy Spirit can impart truth. Only him. Only he can reveal God's heart to you, break your heart, and move your hands and your feet. Even Jesus said that the, the Holy Spirit in you is going to be better than me beside you. Isn't that interesting? Don't you think if Jesus follows you around every day that your life would change a little bit? Like texting and driving, you like look over. Someone cuts you off at the red light, and you. Your dog dies. Jesus resurrects your dog for you. Your cat dies. He goes and grabs a shovel, help you help you bury your cat. I'm just playing. I know we got cat lovers. I love y'all. I'm just joking. We have to have Jesus. Why do you need the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 5. Love your wives like Christ on the church. You can't do that. The flesh in you does not want to love your wife like Christ on the church. You would rather her wear an apron, cook you breakfast, lunch and dinner, have sex with you a couple times a week, call you master. You would love that. Don't lie. You would love that. Submit to your husbands. Why you need the Holy Spirit? It's hard to submit to your husband if you want to punch him in the face. What's your natural bent? Your natural bent is not to, to build him up. The flesh and you don't want to do that. The natural is to tell him how, how, how bad he is at everything he does. I want to build him up in front of people. We need the Holy Spirit. Why do you need the Holy Spirit? Philippians 2 tells us to count others more significant than ourselves. You can't have the mindset of Christ if you don't have the spirit of Christ. James, he says, watch your tongue. Tame your tongue. Anyone ever had, anyone ever had to tame their tongue before? Can't do it, man. Can't do it, especially some of you road ragers in here. Can't do it. It's hard. Everything's good until somebody pulls out in front of you. I, I, I like to mess with road ragers. I get in front of them, go a little slow. That's sin. That's bad, ain't it? It's true, man. I like, I like to just see what they're going to do. I was in line, I was in a car ride line this past week. There's a guy in our church who was sitting right in front of me. I drove someone else's car because it was raining, and my car is basically like a casket on wheels, and it, it's just not safe, man. So I borrowed her car. I'm, in the, I'm, in the, I'm picking my kids up, and there he was right in front of me. And I thought to myself, this would be a great time. <laughs> and I honked that horn. I honked the horn, I went. I let it for, I, I honed it again. I was waiting for him to get out of the car. I was going to surprise him. Pastor Blake, get out. You want to fight? You want to? But he didn't, man. He stayed right in there. I was proud of him. But, but, but you can't do it. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. You're not fooling anybody. You can't live this life without God's help. He wouldn't save you for you to leave independently from him. It's a dependent life. Pressing into him. The Christian life's powered by desire. Ezekiel says, I'll call you from the nations. I'll put a new heart in you, new spirit in you, and move you 
to keep my laws. Why are you here? You wanna be. Why do we read our Bible? We want to. Why do we not go do keg stands randomly at some party? We don't want to. It's that simple. It is that simple. We have different desires because we have a different heart because this thing ain't a game. It's real. God brings people to life spiritually. That's what the Bible teaches, and you have to have him. I want you to notice not just the importance of the Holy Spirit. Three, I want you to see the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. What does he do? When I got saved, I didn't didn't know what a spirit was. I remember vividly reading the Bible and like the Holy Spirit, and like, what is that? I don't even know what a spirit is. Duh, he's the one that saved me. I had no clue. What does he do in your life? Well, he does a lot of things in your life. Well, one, the Holy Spirit regenerates your heart. Titus 3, 5 through 6, he saved us not because of your righteousness or anything you've done, but he saved us through washing of rebirth, regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit. Like a dead car battery is dead, and then something goes, boom, and the jumper cable, bam, it comes to life. Power comes to your life. John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. You ain't coming. John 3, 6, flesh gives birth to flesh. The Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. What'd you do to be born? Not a lot. Not a lot. You woke up here. Miracle. What'd you do to be saved? Not a lot. Not a whole lot. The Holy Spirit came up in your life through the preaching of the gospel and, and the gift of faith they give you, and boom. And your eyes was blind, now you see. This is salvation applied. The Father ordains it. The Son purchased it. The Holy Spirit applies it. When the time is right, that is regeneration. You know, David Platt says when he was in seminary, his professor got him and a bunch of his students. He said, boys, y'all follow me. They go to the graveyard, which is next level weird. They get out there, and the professor says, all right, Boys, I want you to give your best gospel presentation and call these people to life. And they're looking around. Then he looks at me and said, that's what I'm sending you out to do. Ephesians 2, you're dead in sin. But God was rich in mercy. It's like a bomb goes off in your life. And everything changes. Things change. Salvation in the Bible, when people get saved, everything changes. Lydia in Acts got saved and she's like, stay at my house. We'll plant a church right here. The Philippian jailer beating Paul, beating him. Then, or, yeah, and then Paul witnesses to him. He gets saved. He's like, I got to tell my family. Everything's changed. That's what happens. As God regenerates your heart, brings you to life, brings you to salvation. What would change if you believe that? Change everything. You give God all the glory for salvation. You'd be quick to share your testimony and story with people. Everything would change. Not just that, but the Holy Spirit reveals sin in your life. John 18, 8. When he comes, he'll prove the world to be wrong about sin. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart's deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? I don't even understand my own heart. We can't even understand sin in our lives. Proverbs 14, 12, 2, there's a way that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. What about the prodigal son? If you didn't grow up in church, father had two sons. And one son went up to him and said, hey, here's basically what he said. Hey, screw you. Give me my inheritance now. Give me my money. And then he left. Paraphrase, went to LA, blew it on casinos, blew it on drugs, woke up as a pig farmer, working for a pig farmer, ended up in the pig pen. And then here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, it says that he came to his senses. And when he came to his senses, something happened and he could see now. And he says, I've sinned against heaven and earth. I've sinned against you. What about Jesus and the woman at the well? Jesus walks up and is like, hey, go get your husband. She's like, I ain't got, I ain't got no husband. He's like, yeah, I know you've had five, girl. It's like, dang, Jesus. You ever read the Bible? He's like, dang, JC. That's tough, man. And what's, hey, what's the Spirit do? Continue his ministry? How's he going to help you with sin if you don't reveal it? How's he going to help you with your sin in your life if he doesn't reveal it to you? 
And that's what he does. Man, that's what he does in our life. What would change if you believed that truth? You'd be like, David, search my heart, O oh Lord. Search my heart. There's some sin in here. There ain't no question. There's sin in here. I want to uproot it in my life. Get in here and do a work. I'll, I'll, I'll welcome you. You would change everything. The Holy Spirit doesn't just reveal sin. The Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. Acts 2, 37, Peter's preaching, and people are listening. And when he gets done, it says when people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. The Holy Spirit doesn't just help us see truth. It helps us feel truth. And we start to believe, and it reveals sin and convicts sin. Hebrews 4.12, the word's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The word is a sword. The Holy Spirit's a swordsman. The word is a scalpel. The Holy Spirit is a surgeon getting in your life. What would change if you believed that, that God was trying to change you? Getting up in there and convince you of sin. You would walk in brokenness instead of trying to justify things. Even me, man, I, I can use theology to try to justify things in my life. So, man, stop trying to justify and be broken over sin that God reveals. When's the last time you've ever been broken over sin in your life? Like, honestly, when's the last time that it actually broke your heart over sin in your life? Not just that, but the Holy Spirit enables you to kill sin. Romans 8, 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die, but by the Spirit... You put to death the misdeeds of the body. John 14, 30, he said, the prince of this world is coming. You have a broken nature. You live in a broken world. You have a real enemy. But 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation except for what's common to mankind. He says, God is faithful. He'll never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You, 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 can, you can overcome it. You'll never be tempted beyond what you can bear. The Holy Spirit lives in your life. What would change if you believe that truth? You would say yes to Jesus. You know why you'd say yes to Jesus? Because he's so much better than the temptation that's trying to offer you. When he's a 10, everything else is a one. You don't trade in dimes for nickels. You catch what I'm saying? He's a 10, a big yes, a big old yes, way better. And you, when you fix your eyes on him, you'll overcome temptation in your life. That's what he does. He enables us to kill sin. Not only that, the Holy Spirit guides you in truth. John 16, 13. John 16, 13. But when he, the Spirit, comes, he'll guide you into truth. You know what's crazy? He told this to John. John was sitting there. He said, John, the Holy Spirit's gonna come. He's gonna guide you in truth. And then what did John do? Wrote the Bible? We're reading John. He literally guided him in truth. And then as we read John, he's going to guide us in truth. When we get in the Bible, he guides us, changes us. And it's when we go to the Bible that we get the best direction for our life because God's the one leading that conversation. What would change in your life if you believe that? What would change? You'd hold your Bible tight. You'd open your Bible often. Don't say that God never speaks if your Bible's always closed. It would change everything. Everything would change. Not only does he guide you in truth, the Holy Spirit reminds you of truth. John 14, 26. He says, I will remind you of everything I've told you. 1 Corinthians 2, 10, the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God and reveals them to us. Not only does he guide us in truth, he reminds us of truth that we've already learned. You ever heard that God speak to you? Scripture come to your mind in a moment in your day. You're, 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 you're going on about your business and God lays a scripture on your heart, speaks to you. He uses the word and he reveals things and reminds things. Uh, J.D. Greer says, the Holy Spirit can only bring things to your memory that you've already committed to memory. What would change if you believed that? You, you would memorize scripture. You say, Blake, I can't memorize scripture. Oh, hush. You remember rap songs from middle school. You, you can remember what you want. You can remember. You'd get in that Bible. You would, uh, what does David say? Psalm 119, 11, hide your word in my heart that I won't sin against you. Hide it in my heart. It's one thing to have the word in your house. It's another to hide the word in your heart. A lot of times I hide the word in my house instead of my heart. 
Can't even find it. Find dust all over it. <laughs> Gotta blow that thing off and then read it. You ever had a VHS? Take them old VHS tape. <laughs> them old Super Nintendo. I'm, I'm showing my age. I'm old. All right, but anyway, hide it in your heart. Get it in you. And the Holy Spirit's like, load the gun, man. Got to load that thing up. Be ready. The Holy Spirit will bring things to your mind and to your heart. He also uh, makes you fruitful. The Holy Spirit makes you fruitful. Galatians 5, through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience. Ephesians 2, you're God's handiwork that he created before time. Not saved by works, but saved for works. He wants you to live a fruitful life. He wants you to be his hands and feet. He wants to produce fruit in your life. What would change if you believe that? Fruit is the byproduct of the Holy Spirit fixing our eyes on Jesus and him doing a work in us. See, a lot of times we're just too focused on the fruit. Like, God, I just need some patience. God, I'm praying for patience. Stop praying for patience. God, I'm really struggling right now with this sin. It's been, it's been really bad. Please help me. Stop focusing on that sin. Stop it. Get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes on Jesus, what he's done for you. And then when you get your eyes on him and have a relationship with him and love him, he'll take care of the rest. That's how it works. You can't crowbar change into your life. You gotta be melted. He molds you and shapes you and you put your eyes on Jesus and what he's done for you and your justification in him. I'm holy, blameless, saved, forever, chosen, righteous, all these things because of what? Because of what he's done for me. Oh my God, I'll follow you anywhere. But I'm fixing my eyes on him and he does the work. What would change if you believe that? You would, you would stop focusing on sin and you start abiding in Christ. John 15, you would abide in Jesus Christ. He, he changes you. Not just that, but the Holy Spirit transforms you into the image of Jesus. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. John 16, 13 through 14, he will not speak on his own. The Holy Spirit will only speak what I give him. The Holy Spirit only points you to Jesus. He is not a spotlight for himself. He is a floodlight for Jesus Christ. That's his ministry. That's his main ministry. So you come out of service and you're talking about, man, the Holy Spirit was moving. I don't know that the Holy Spirit moved. You come out of here talking about how good Jesus is, I believe the Holy Spirit is moving. Because he fixes your eyes on Jesus and transforms your life. That's what it's all about. And that's when this verse becomes your anthem, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. That's what God wants to do in your life. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to point your eyes on is Jesus. The Holy Spirit's main ministry is not to give us thrills, but to create in us Christ-like character. See, nature forms us. Sin deforms us. School informs us. Prison reforms us. Only Jesus Christ can transform us. And he created the universe in six days. He conquered death in three days. He can change your life in one moment. And he'll continue to change you and sanctify you and grow you into the image of Jesus Christ. He transforms us. Not only, I'm telling you, that's, that's what he wants to do in your life, guys. He wants to change you. That's what he's interested in, not just what you're doing, who you're becoming. That's what he wants to do. A lot of times we want him to change our circumstances. God might be trying to use your circumstances to change you. He's been showing me things in my life. Because, man, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. I can get in the Bible. I can preach a sermon. I can show up in a small group and, and, and act like everything's good. Talk about sin in my life just because I want people to think I'm being transparent when really I'm not. I know how to do all this, but I ain't fooling God. I ain't fooling God. Just recently, he showed me some sin in my life. And he's like, Blake, you're, you look back on where you came from, and you look back and see what I've done in you, and you're satisfied with that when I'm trying to do a work in you right now. I, I got better things for you in the future. I got better things for you. I'm, trying to change, I'm still trying to change you. He's dedicated to you. He wants your holiness. He's dedicated to changing you, not just what you're doing, 
But who you're becoming, he transforms us. Not only does he transform us, but the Holy Spirit empowers you with gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7, there are different kinds of gifts. And the Spirit distributes them. He gives us what we need, when we need, to accomplish his purposes. What, what would change if you believe that God's given you a spiritual gift to serve the church, to serve the community? What would change in your life? When he saves you, not only does he redeem you, he redeems your gifts that you have. Say, if you, if you can sing, you wasn't always singing for Jesus. He redeems that, but he also gives you new gifts. What would change in your life if you believe that? You would trust God that he wants to use you and that he's got a plan for your life. You would get off the sidelines and you'd get in the game because he wants to use you to serve the church, to serve the community. That's what he wants to do. Not only does he give us gifts, but the Holy Spirit leads you. Galatians 5, 18, in verse 25, he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, Verse 25, since we live in the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. In Acts, Philip, the Spirit, told him to go down this road. And he saw an Ethiopian eunuch. And the Bible says the Spirit told him to go do this. The Holy Spirit will press things on your heart. Hey, go pray for that person. Hey, give them some money. Help them out. Hey, go do this. Hey, don't go here. Don't do that. Here's what I want you to do. A GPS of the Christian life. You say, well, God, is that you? God, is that you? Let me tell you something, man. If something's telling you to pray for somebody, I'm just going to guess here. It probably ain't the flesh, and it probably ain't the devil. And it goes along with Scripture. It's probably God putting something on your heart to do. And that's what we're saying. He leads you and guides you. I remember we went to a Braves game. I've I've told this story before. Me and Brandon was going to a Braves game. Is at night. We had been to Turner, it was at Turner Field. We'd been there a few times, but I'd never been at night. And I don't go to Atlanta for nothing but the Braves. Nothing. Do not want to just go drive around Atlanta. And we, we were getting to go to a night game, and I asked my dad, we didn't have GPS at the time. I asked my dad, I said, Hey, how do you get how do you get to Atlanta and back? He says, Son, on the way up there, you're gonna stay to the right, and on the way back, you'll stay to the left. <laughs> what? Makes perfect sense now, now that I know. And man, we were headed back, and all of a sudden, dang, sure right, son. All I know is you had to go left or you had to go right, but you wasn't going straight. And I forgot, and I asked Brandy, and I know not to ask her because she can't drive, but I said, hey, we go left or right? She said, we go right. We went right, right the wrong way. (laughs) And I don't know why we drove for about an hour the wrong way, but boy, I started seeing signs. And I knew we was off. We are not on the straight and narrow. No, sir. And we called OnStar, and I was a new believer, and it, was, it led us back on track. Go here, do this. Don't go here. Co- go left here. Sorry, guide me back on track, and I was a new believer. I'm here. That's the Holy Spirit in my life. He speaks to me. Go here. Don't do this. Here's what the Word says. Walk in my statutes. Keep my laws. All these things. That's what the Holy Spirit does is he guides you and leads you. Not just that, but listen, listen, the Holy Spirit bears witness that you're a child of God. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself testifies that you're God's children. John 10, 14. I'm a good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. They know me. John 14, 27. Peace I give you. You have peace with God. You know him. He knows you. You have a peace with God, a peace with death. Watch this. You're saved and you know it. You're saved and you know it. How many people saved and you know it? God's spirit bears witness with your spirit. You are a child of God. There's no guessing. We have a savior, a savior above us, the spirit within us, the word before us. We don't live by sight. We live by faith and we say, your kingdom come, your will be done, your will in my life. And there's power in our life, a motivation to follow him. Don't have to pull us by our teeth to do things spiritually. There's something different. And so here's, this is why the Holy Spirit in us is better than Jesus beside us. And I wanna close my time like this. Four, I want you to think about this, four. The absence of the Holy Spirit in your life. The absence. 
I want you to think about some characteristics of not having the Holy Spirit. Maybe this is you. And you, hey, and welcome. It's okay. We, we're all here. But maybe an absence of the Holy Spirit in your life, maybe it's this. Religious behavior, but no real life change. There's a form of godliness, but no real power. There's public passion, but there's no private devotion. You do a lot of religious things, but there's no spiritual power in your life. Joby Martin says, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sticking your head in the oven makes you a biscuit. But being a Christian is being a new creation. The worm becomes a butterfly. And I don't, I'm not a scientist. I don't know about metamorphosis, all this stuff. I don't know, but here's what I know. It comes out different. It's a worm. Something happens in a cocoon, and boom, it's got wings. A whole new creation. Not even close to the same. That's what we're talking about. That's what God does in your life. You, not just religious behavior, but you have a life change. Or maybe uh, spiritual things don't make sense. 1 Corinthians 12, 2, 14 says, without the Spirit, you cannot understand the things because they can only be discerned by the Spirit. A pastor by the name of Francis Chan said he finally went up to his daughter and just said, look, I just don't see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Like, I don't see it. I don't see no change. I remember when I got saved, I got saved before Brandy. So I was spiritually awoke. I had power in my life. I wanted to go to church. I wanted to pray. I wanted to read. I wanted to learn about this Jesus. I wanted to confess my sins. I wanted to do a lot of stuff. But she wasn't saved yet. So if she read the Bible, it's because I was reading the Bible. If she went to church because I was going to church. If she wanted to do it, it's because of me. But my relationship with Jesus ain't got nothing to do with her relationship with Jesus. Like, I can't love Jesus for her. But then she got saved. And now she has a real relationship with Jesus. Now she has a power to want to be with him. Now she has a power to pray. The other night, she's just reading Romans in her house. The other night, John 1, she's just over there reading at the table. Like, what you reading, girl? This is the sexiest thing ever. She's just over there reading the Bible. I was like, what's up, girl? John 1, just waiting for her to ask me a question. Just wait. But she's got her own. But that's what I'm trying to tell you. You may be here, and I'm glad you're here, but it's real easy to say you're a Christian, not be one. And your, your spouse can't love Jesus for you. Your boyfriend and girlfriend can't love Jesus for you. Like you've, got to, you've got to be saved yourself. Maybe you have religious behavior, but no life change. Maybe you, spiritual things don't make sense. Maybe, uh, what about this one? Promises to God, but no real repentance. No really heartbreak. You ever said that? I know I said that thing a hundred times before I say, God, I'll never do that again. I, I promise. If you get me out of this one, I'll never do it again. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. And again, and again. But when you get saved, you don't put no confidence in the flesh. You're like, shoo, I know I better watch out. God help me. There's real brokenness of sin, real repentance in your life. What about this one? Passions of the world drive your life. Every single one of us, Romans 125 says, they exchange the truth for a lie and serve creation more than the creator. You're just more fired up about creation than you are Christ. We went on a cruise. I went with Brandy. I've been on one cruise. If you get a chance to go on one, don't do it. But I went. I'm just kidding. I liked it. It was all right. It was all right. I went. We, we ended up in the Dominican Republic. My favorite place ever. Didn't even know it. So, I mean, I love this place. I mean, the water's beautiful. The sand is pretty. There's palm trees that's um for umbrellas over our head. You had the DJ in the background, the bartender's doing his thing. Like, it's just, I'm like, and I'm like, and here's me. Praise God. God, you're good. Like, you, you made this. You did this. You, and you get, I get to be here and enjoy this. You did this for me. You didn't know, you didn't need none of this. You didn't need nothing. You didn't need anybody. You didn't need creation. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, boom. You need yourself. You create this and I get to enjoy this. I'm worshiping God up in there, man. I'm like, yeah. Meanwhile, over here, you got what I call professional cruisers. They, 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 I saw they do cruise 24-7. They're here talking about the next cruise. 
I was like, man, we, we're going to go on to Disney one, and then we're going to get on this one and go to that one. And I'm over here like, y'all so, can't even enjoy this one because you're too worried about the next one. But that's what happens. Man, you, you, just, you just worship creation. But when you're saved, it rolls up. Your affections roll up that, God, you're good. Not just, man, this is awesome. I got to go back to work next week. We're going to book this again next year. So, man, I said, I was like, I'm ready to go to the house. I've seen enough. God is good. Maybe passions drive your life for the world more than for God. Maybe you're more fired up about materials than the mission. Maybe you're more fired out about touchdowns made than disciples made. Maybe you're more fired up about status before men than you are sanctification before God. Maybe you're more fired up about your kids being successful in America than them being used by God in his kingdom. Is there any really hard evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Any really hard evidence? Man, the Holy Spirit started blowing my life up about 2013. And I was going to church, and I couldn't believe what this pastor was saying. And man, he started showing me some things. And I, I don't, I'd always said I was a Christian. But I, I started finally noticing some things. And I, I'm like looking around at my life. I'm like, yeah, bro, I don't think you got it. I called the pastor. I called him. I set up the appointment. I called him because I didn't know I was saved. I go meet this dude. This is how crazy sin is. I get there. He says, are you saved? I was like, yeah, I think so. Back in, I was 13. I went, like, went with the youth on a little trip, and I remember crying, and I told God I'll never do this again. He wasn't ugly, but he looked at me and he said, I'm going to ask you one more time. Are you saved? I was like, bro, ain't no way I'm saved. Ain't no way, bro. Ain't no way. I'm looking at my life. And man, I said, at that moment, God just did a work in my life. And I said, I want you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus. I don't want nothing else. I don't want none of this sin no more. I love you more than anything else in my life. I want you. He says, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. He said, come on in. He's changed my life. My life ain't never been the same ever again. There's hard evidence for the Holy Spirit in my life. And I, and I would leave you off of this as we close. Five, the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. He says, I'll be with you forever. My little daughter, Jolie, she asked me one time, she says, where does God live at? And I was like, uh, well, he doesn't live by homes made in human hands. He's in heaven. He's here. His presence is everywhere. But he seals us. He's, he's in our lives. He lives in us. She said, well, I thought God was big. I was like, he is big. She said, well, why don't he stick out? I was like, he does stick out. He'll stick out in your life. There's evidence he leaves us with birthmarks. Here's one, a new direction, a life that's not the same. He says, whoever loves me keeps my commands, loves me. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Dynamos is the word. It's where we get the word dynamite. In other words, I'm talking about blow some stuff up in your life. I'm talking about an aha moment where everything's changing. It Slow change is real change, but there is change. Something happens there. I tell you about a guy in our church right now named Mitchell, God blowing up in his life. Tell you about a guy named Slade, God blowing up in his life. Tell you about a guy named Matt, God blowing up in his life. Tell you about a guy named Larry, God blowing up in his life. I tell you about some people in heart and soul these last couple weeks at the end of the class said, I ain't saved. Got saved. Everything's changing. Blowing up in small groups. There's what about our missionaries last week? Blowing up the, a new direction. They're not that great. They're not that smart. The Holy Spirit did a work in their life. So where did you get these missionaries from? Cobtown. Really? They got their teeth? Yeah, they got teeth. They're one of the best looking families in our church. That's blowing up in their life. Man, that's not... I'm just, I know there's some people that need to hear it. Man, don't be fooling yourself, man. Stop fooling yourself. You know. 
You know if he's in your, what about this, waging war. There's a battle, a life that's in the fight. He said, the prince of this world, your life is going in a different direction than the rest of this world, so it's a battle. I've been running here lately. I've been running about three miles, four miles, but every time I get to about two and a half miles, I go up this hill, and I start getting tired. I got a couple choices. Stop or push through the fight. Most of the time I just stop, man. I'm like, bruh, this is terrible. But that don't change the fact that I'm tired because I'm still running the race. I'm still in the battle. I'm still running. Walking the Christian life can feel like you're going backwards up an escalator. Everyone's going this way, but there's a real war in your life. You may not be perfect, but you're in the freaking fight and you have new desires. And if the devil never bothers you, it's probably because you're going in the same direction. And lastly, you'd, be, you'd bear fruit, a life that produces fruit. And not just bearing fruit, but lastly, a repentant lifestyle, a life marked by repentance. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's the hound of heaven. Straight ambushes you, comes into your life, and starts to show you things in your life. John wrote this to the church Revelation 3, 19 through 20, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest to repent. And here's what he says, I stand at the door and knock. Wow. What an illustration that God knocks on hearts through the pen of John and the Holy Spirit of God. He seeks you out and starts knocking on your heart. Let me ask you a question. What you gonna do when God knocks on your heart? What you gonna do when there's some things that God wants to flip upside down in your life? Raise your hand, if, hey, raise your hand, get them up. If you're in here and you got some sin in your life, you got some things in your life you wanna see God change, that he's not done with you yet. You got some things in here you wanna see him change. Look around, look around, get them up. Look around, y'all encouraged yet? He can do it. He wants to get that. He wants to do a work in your life. But, but lastly, what's crazy is not only does he knock on doors, he is a door. He's the door to heaven. He says, I'm the way, the truth, to life. And a door ain't good unless it's hung. And he hung on a cross for you and for me. And he's the way, the truth, the life. And maybe he's in here this morning saying, hey, you don't got a new direction in your life. You ain't bearing fruit of, of the Holy Spirit. You're bearing fruit of the world. Hey, you don't have a new direction. Hey, there's no war going on in your life. Maybe you've never had any spiritual power. Maybe you've never been saved. Today is the day of salvation. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we love you. And we're so thankful for your love for us. God, we thank you for your spirit. And right now, if you're in here and you say, Blake, I don't think I'm saved. You feel like the Holy Spirit's working in your heart. You say, today, I want a new spirit. I want a new heart. I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you just raise your hand so I can see you and pray for you? Just give you a second. Keep them up. I just want to pray for you. Anybody else? Praise God. One, two, three. Praise God. God, we love you. We're so thankful for your love for us. God, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for working in our hearts this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Y'all stand up.